This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 89. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Oh, we're back Lisa, to saying that again, huh? Uh, that's what I was wondering. Should we Should we drop that? Drop all the formality? I don't know, just, John of uh, we'll just say, Artist. We, we, we're going to have to figure that out. We'll just call you Lockery. We, we really should have discussed this before the podcast. No, it's more fun just... <laughs> I mean, if on. we wanted to be pros and all... <laughs> we gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> all right. Well, this is the show about colored pencil where we discuss all the nitty gritty of this medium that we love so much. And Lisa, we've got some good news. So if you are listening today and you have a question that you would like Lisa and I to entertain and to cover, then go ahead and email us podcast at sharpenedartist.com. So Lisa, what are we talking about today? The top 10 mistakes made in colored pencil. Yeah. So number one, one of the top mistakes that I think we see new artists make is not purchasing the right pencils or good enough pencils or a a professional artist grade quality pencil. And then they get discouraged because they tried to cheap out and go with a student grade pencil and they're upset that it's not doing what they thought that it could have done when they are trying to apply the techniques that uh, they read in a book or they see on a video. Or, and that's a, a real easy thing to correct. All you got to do is set yourself up for success in that is buy the right pencils from the very start. And that's the, the problem there isn't so much that, I mean, a lot of people will think, well, I'm just learning, so I'm going to get the, the cheaper pencils. The problem is that those cheaper pencils can't do what the more expensive pencils right. do. So you end up feeling like you're just terrible at this medium. I'm no good at it, so I'm not going to bother. I'm going to, I'm just going to give up. And that's not necessarily the case. More likely than not, it's the supplies that you're using. Yeah. And you're looking at someone using the techniques that you want to use, and it's like, this is a real mystery. How are they able to? to make their pencils do this? Well, it's because of the pencils sometimes, depending on the technique. And a good example of that, the Marco Refine, I forget how to say it, but those pencils, you can get them on Amazon. A lot of people are picking those up. They're great for coloring books. And we'll be talking about that in a future Mm -hmm. podcast. But those ones are a great example because yes, they're colored pencil. Color comes out of the pencil. But you can't layer those like you can the polychromos. You can only get so many layers before, and very few layers before, it's like, nope, not taking anymore. So if you were trying to do the techniques of an artist who prefers doing a lot of layers, those pencils are not Mm -hmm. going to do the same. So you're going to feel like, why can't I get the layers? I'm using the same paper. I'm using the same blending techniques, but I'm not doing, it's not you, it's the pencils. Which leads us right into number two, not putting down enough layers. This is something I see happen a lot as well. Artists will do one or two layers, and if they're blending with odorless mineral spirits, they'll do one or two layers of color, and then they'll blend out and think that it should look like what another artist's finished product that took 20 layers would do. So more often than not, the problem that artists are having when they can't get odorless mineral spirits to work for them, or they're just not getting the color pigment that they want, is that they don't have enough pigment on the paper. The odorless mineral spirits can only do so much for you if there's no 
pigment on the paper. They're basically right. dissolving that pigment into it. And if there's no pigment, they have nothing. It has nothing to work with. Yeah, you've got to get to that total saturation level before you can really start doing a lot of these advanced techniques anyway. And that's just one of the things that, you know, we'll often see a beginner color pencil artist do or miss is that they think, you know, after one or two layers, oh, I'm done. I'm ready to use a solvent or I'm ready to burnish or something like that, which leads me to number three. And that is burnishing too early. You know, what will happen is they'll start trying to press very hard or accidentally burnishing. They'll just press very hard at the beginning and then they'll get disappointed and want to cover all that white area, the little uh, hills and valleys that we often refer to as the tooth of the paper. And especially if it's a rougher textured paper and you're not ever going to be able to fill in the white of the paper if you've pressed too hard early on. That is, if you've burnished too early because you've lost that opportunity because you've mashed down some of the higher parts of the paper into those lower parts and it'll always kind of look like that it'll always look kind of have that crayon kind of look and that's just one of the things to watch for keep that reserve till one of the last layers and that's the reason why we plan for that. And burnishing isn't necessarily a bad thing. I will no. often do it towards the end, my final layers right. where I don't need layers to go on top of it. So it's not that you can never burnish. And if you're unfamiliar with what that term means, essentially it's where you start pushing hard with the pencil, you're polishing the mm -hmm. the pencil. So like what John was saying, right. where you're flattening out the tooth, the next layers have nothing to stick to. So it won't take additional layers that way. Unless you're using the final or the texture fixative spray from brush and pencil. Then you can burnish all you want and spray that and layer right over it. You'll be fine. Number four, which actually has a lot to do with what we were talking about before with having those nooks and crannies kind of showing through, mm -hmm. the white of the paper showing through, not keeping your pencil sharp enough. If your pencil is very dull, very rounded, it's only catching the top of the, the tooth of the paper. It's not getting into all those nooks and crannies. So you'll have a lot more of the white of the paper showing through, and that's what gives you that grainy, gritty look. You want to keep those pencils very, very sharp. And I don't mean just, you know, they're sharp enough to write with color is coming out. I mean, like, sharp enough to stab someone with. You want to be able yeah, to do damage exactly. with those things. <laughs> That's right. Get those bad boys just needle sharp. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, Lisa, you remember I was talking about how that I love that uh, Super Point by Derwent Sharpener. Mm -hmm. It's a manual sharpener, the rotary blades. Um that one lately has been kind of, it, it's been breaking pencils, uh, the point of the pencil off. I think all that I need to do is just go ahead and replace those blades. I'm pretty sure that those are replaceable blades, dual rotary blades on there. And that's a good tip for you guys, too. If your sharpeners, just because you have a sharpener that works amazing right now, it's going to get dull over time. So make sure, replace the blades or replace the entire sharpener. I have to replace my whole sharpeners. None of mine have replaceable blades. But it makes a huge, huge difference. When your pencils, especially if you've got your good pencils that don't typically break, they start breaking check the, the sharpener. If you've been using that same sharpener without changing those blades for a long period of time, that's probably what your problem is. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I'm able to get to those blades in that one, actually, but that would remedy that if uh, if they were replaceable. I don't know. You can do that. Yeah, their electric yeah. sharpener that they no longer sell for some reason, that one did not have replaceable blades. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, this is an excellent point though. And one that we see, I see that quite often with students. They'll just uh, keep drawing, even though they've got a dull pencil. Well, I sharpened it, you know, 10 minutes ago. Well, it probably needs sharpened again. So 
Watch out for that. Number five, not choosing the right paper for the techniques that you're using. So you have to keep in mind, you know, that there are certain techniques that are going to lend themselves well to paper that has a lot of tooth. Maybe it's sanded paper. Maybe it's a real rough texture. Maybe it's a patterned texture that you get with uh, some of the watercolor type papers. Or are you using a very smooth surface paper? Maybe you're using one of the plastic papers like Duralar uh, film or one of those. Uh, That will make a big difference on what you're doing. And it makes a difference on the amount of layers too that you're going to be able to get yeah and it's not an issue of one paper is right or wrong Mm -hmm. it's that no certain papers are right for certain techniques so it depends on the way that you plan Mm -hmm. to layer the way that you're planning on building everything will depend on which paper would work best so it's not like you know we really can't say this is the paper you should always be using it depends on what you want to use. I've seen people work on so many different types that I wouldn't have thought would work well but for their techniques it was perfect Number six, finishing too early or calling your work finished before you Mm -hmm. really are finished. This I see happen so, I think I've said that on every one. This I see happen so often, but I I really do. This is a really common problem. And it's like saying great question. (laughs) Yeah. That is such a great (laughs) question. I love that question. (laughs) Yeah. So this one, basically what happens is people get their first few layers on the paper and think, okay, I've got color down. It's finished. Doesn't look how I want it to, but it's finished. Well, no. And it's not necessarily that it's bad or that it's wrong. It's that it's not finished. It's that you're about a quarter of the way through. So much artwork that is submitted to me through the video critiques that I do. I see that. Hey, look, I've mentioned that and not Jon Snow. But those I see so often where it's like, this is awesome. You are off to a great start. It's just not finished. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing about that one is that you'll hear this kind of comment, too. Well, I didn't want to overwork it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you might want to overwork that one. It would be better. It would be it better. It still needs a little bit of overworking, you know, whatever that means. But, yeah, uh, with colored pencil, that's one of the nice things about it. That's one of the things I love about colored pencil is depending on the tooth, obviously, that you're working on. Um, I'm not going to squabble about that. But you can keep on layering and keep on working in colored pencil if the color, even color adjustments if the color isn't quite right then you can usually add some different colors to get to correct that color lean it back in the other direction as long as you're not burnishing too soon yeah exactly and as long as you're using proper form or what i'm calling proper form what i'm calling that is what i'm talking about with that is you're you know using some good techniques with uh with your pencil so that you can build up layers but not damage your tooth early or uh, not just doing a lot of scribbling because, oh, well, I'm going to use solvent later, you know, that kind of thing. But you're making something look beautiful uh, from the start. So, yeah, that's one of the things I love about it, though, is you can keep going and don't finish too early or don't call it done until it's done. Yeah. And one of the questions that I get a lot is how do you know when it's finished? How do you know when it's when it's done? Mm. Well, when you've got a goal, if you've got a reference photo, you probably have a goal set for yourself. When that artwork looks as much like that reference photo as you originally wanted it to, that's when it's finished. If you don't want that grainy gritty look, but you still have a grainy gritty look, then you're not finished. Now, I do want to say if you're going, if you like that kind of gritty, grainy, bumpy look, it's okay. It's not that it's wrong. We always talk about that as a negative. It's negative if you don't like it. I don't personally like it, but you're going, if if you like it, that is okay. I don't want to make it sound like you're not allowed to do that. You are. But if somebody doesn't want that and that's what they have, then that's a pretty good clue that it's not finished yet. 
Okay, so our next point is another mistake that we see colored pencil artists make is using poor pencil form. And so what do I mean by that? At the beginning of your drawing, if you're not using good pencil strokes, and so what I mean by that is very intentional strokes that are going in a, in a direction that you want, that you're intentionally placing the pencil where you want, uh, holding your arm, your wrist, and your, your fingers, and all of that. You're holding the pencil in, at the correct spot on the shaft that you intentionally want to, and it, it really is all about doing things purposely and thinking about what kind of stroke you're going to lay down and the pressure of the stroke and that sort of thing. Now, I know a lot of people like to use uh, circles whenever they uh, do their pencil strokes, and I think that probably is probably one of the better strokes to use for colored pencil. I don't personally like that one a whole lot. I don't use it all that often, but I get the same effect, but I just use uh, real tight linear strokes and I just keep moving my paper just slightly and I get quicker coverage personally from that, but I think that it's harder. I, I've come to this realization <laughs> that I think it's a little bit tougher to teach uh, a newer artist to do that. So I think that using the circular strokes is probably something that's easier if drawing at all is something that you're kind of new at. But I think one of the things that we see, I see in my students, and I think you see this as well, Lisa, is this scribbling, this no purpose in mind, just kind of, oh, scribbling around in any direction and and ending up burnishing accidentally because of that kind of thing, just using bad form. And then all of a sudden, oops, I got to get the eraser out, I got to get the electric eraser out, I got to get the tape out because I... You know, got this dark color over here in this other area, that kind of thing. So if we're, if you just take a little, slow down, take a little bit more care whenever you're laying down your pencil, then you can eliminate a lot of that. Number eight, starting with a poor reference photo. And especially if you're newer, I know more advanced artists can take a low quality reference photo and make it amazing. But when you're starting off, especially, I mean, and when I say starting off, I mean the first several years, it takes years usually yeah. to get to the point where you can use a poor quality reference photo and turn it into something. And let me just add, so, let me interject right there, Lisa, I'm sorry to interrupt, but even then, even a lot of the pro artists that I know that uh, have gallery representation, even selling their art very well, they still will not accept uh, a poor reference photo. You're right that they probably could work from that, but most of the ones that I know of don't don't like to do that. Yeah, no, well, no one likes it. But I I know several artists who do work from bad re reference photos. That's kind of like their bread and butter because other artists won't and can do amazing things with them. But they've been artists. They've been doing this for so long that they can do that. When you're starting off, yeah. Start with a good reference photo. But if you, when you're starting out, use a good reference photo that will set yourself up for success. If you've got a reference photo and the angle's a little bit weird, especially if the hands are included, this is something that we see all the time. If the hand is mm -hmm. in a slightly weird position, It'll look like you drew it wrong, even if you didn't. Hands bend all over the place. And so it's really easy to have a shot where the hands are included and have them just positioned weird. It's not in an attractive position. And it makes it look like you did a bad job, even if you didn't. And that can be the case for the face as well. I mean, just a weird angle, weird lighting. If that is not so great to start with, if it looks weird in the photo, it's going to look weird in your artwork. But the problem there is people accept it as being correct in the photo. When it's in artwork, they assume you drew it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll accept a lot of things. Our brains will if it's in an actual photo. But if we see that in a painting or drawing, then our brain, for some reason, can question that and it's not convincing. So that's something to watch out for. 
Okay, next, not finishing your drawing. You know, getting bored with it or saying, oh, I just want to start this other one. I'm not excited about this one anymore. I'm more excited about this reference photo that I just took, and I want to get started with that one. And not just having the discipline to just sit down and get it done, hammer it out. And I, I know this temptation. I know it very well because I go through this a lot yep. as well. But it there's something about it. You learn some lessons, and there's some habits that are formed when you troubleshoot, you problem solve, and you work through the issues. And when the things get difficult, things get tough, if you work through them, and if you stay the course and get through to the very end and then sign it, complete it, there is a muscle memory that you're building up. There is some, um, some good discipline that you're building up, and you're building a good habit and replacing it with that bad habit that you would have uh, done otherwise. And if you're not wanting to finish it because you feel like you didn't do as good of a job as you could have, figure out how to fix the mistakes that you're mm-hmm. not liking. Mm-hmm. That is such an important lesson to learn, especially if yeah, you plan to do portraits or not portraits, but commissions. You're going to have mistakes right. come up. And if you're happy or with portraits. your commission, yeah, you need to know how to fix that so that you're not screwing up something that you're being, you know, you're on a time schedule because someone expects this to be done by a certain amount, you know, by a certain date. You want to have those mistakes happen, especially now early on on things that are not commissioned that you can figure out how to fix those because most mistakes there's going to be a fix for. And if you just walk away from the problem, then that's what you've learned. You learn, oh, I walk away when this gets tough, you know. So, I mean, it's the same thing in marriage, Lisa. Let's give it some marriage counseling here. Um, and well. <laughs> well, marriage takes work. I mean, it does. Yes. Anybody that's married, it takes work. And so at the first uh, sign of any provocation, if you decide, ah, let's, you know, I'm, I'm calling my lawyer, then, <laughs> you know, that's just not going to... Wind well. You miss out on a whole lot of good in that case. When you call it off yeah, too soon, yeah. you miss out on things exactly. that can be amazing. And one thing that I hear from artists all the time is how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep yourself mm-hmm. working on it when you lose interest? Now, for me, I listen to audiobooks. I mention this all the time. Yeah. Those of you who watch my videos or especially through the live streams, it's probably a question that gets asked in everyone. I like listening to audiobooks. If I can get lost in a story, That will keep me sitting still and working so much longer than just listening to music or having the TV playing in the background. You know, it's funny you bring that up, Lisa. We actually have an Audible trial for our listeners. They can choose from over 180,000 different titles from the Audible library selection. I mean, this is such a wonderful tool, I think, especially for artists, because you're busy with your eyes and your hands. You're doing something else. And so... You know, if that's appealing to you, all you got to do is go over to audibletrial.com slash CP podcast. That stands for Colored Pencil Podcast. And you'll get 30 days of this trial, 30 days for this entire month. You can choose any audiobook of your choice and you get that absolutely free. Lisa and I, I mean, we we love listening to audiobooks while we work. Yeah, and they're so addictive. I have just finished, I'm on just finished book five of the Warrior Chronicles book. It... The narrator, everything. It was just so good. I've been lucky enough, the last several books that I've listened to, I have so thoroughly enjoyed. So, yeah, I'm completely addicted to audio or audible while I work on my art. And it really does make a difference, though. I mean, I know we took we have this advertisement in the middle here, but it makes such a difference for Mm -hmm. me personally. That's why I'm comfortable talking about it, because I love it. It's something that I listen to every single day. I'm every day that I'm working, I'm listening to an audiobook. And I will sit still so 
so much longer because of it. So much longer. You know, one of the nice things about Audible, too, is, and I, I don't know that everybody knows about this, if you're unhappy with one of the books, it doesn't matter what the reason is. All you got to do is tell them, I didn't like that last book, and you can return it and get something in its place. I've done that quite a few and times. I have too, and it's really nice. I mean, that that that's just a good company that'll stand behind what they offer. Well, it's Amazon who typically has a pretty good return policy anyway, so. All right, so there you have it. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. And number 10, back to our list, is not critiquing your own work. Once you're finished with your work, step back mm-hmm. and really look at it. What can you improve on? What do you love? What techniques did you do in that that you definitely want to do again? What techniques did you do that you think you can improve on, that you want to adjust, that you want to make a change on? And the funny thing with this, it, with not critiquing your own work, I hear people say all the time, don't compare your work to other artists. I don't recommend that. I recommend comparing your work to other artists and learning from that. And I don't mean in kicking yourself going, oh my gosh, that other artist, you know, I just finished this and theirs is so much better than mine. No, look at what you just finished, critique it and look at the, if you've got an artist that you look up to, you want your work to look closer to theirs. What's the difference between theirs and yours? Really look at that difference in yours and figure out, pinpoint what you can adjust in your work to make it look closer to what your end goal is. Absolutely. You know, that That is one of the ways I feel like one of the biggest things that I put into my practice in improving uh, my portraits is I started looking at the portraits that I that I enjoyed. I mean, there's a, a quote from Winston Churchill that I'm going to butcher. So if you are a big Winston Churchill fan, I apologize to you. There's probably two of you. But <laughs> he said something like this. He said, uh, eventually and after a while, we just have to look at the results. And so what he's meaning is we can talk about theory. We can talk about what we like and don't like and that kind of thing. But we have to look at what really matters. We have to evaluate what is really there. And so what I mean by that is if you're looking at art, we're evaluating art anyway. And we're looking at other people's art and we're thinking about it. We should be thinking about it and wondering what we do appreciate about it. We may look at our own art and say, oh, I would like to improve in this area. I can tell that I need some work in, you know, I don't know, um, you know, the, the edge of the face or something or softening the hair so it looks realistic or whatever it is. But unless we're really evaluating the results, then we're not going to, uh, I don't think we're really going to improve all that much or it'll take a lot longer for us to improve in those areas. And I think it's important to, just for your own mindset, to keep positive about things. Make sure when you're critiquing to point out the things that you liked about your work. Don't just notice the negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can really kind of be soul shattering. No, yeah. Look at right, what you're right. proud of. You, There's always going to be something that you're proud of. The fact that you just finished a piece Absolutely. of artwork that did not previously exist is something to be ecstatic about. That is a big deal. It is. So make sure that you're not just looking for the negative. Look for the positive. Look for what you liked and what you want to repeat and just learn from that oh i totally agree with that yes pat yourself on the back and let others do it for you as well 
show that artwork. Uh, let others praise you uh, for what you did and m- learn from it as well. But, but yeah, pat yourself on the back and then move ahead, and your next piece will even be better. All right, so there you have it. If you guys have any tips that you would like to add to this list of mistakes that you've uh, maybe made in the past or you see other beginner artists make, we would love to discuss those over in the Color Pencil Podcast group on Facebook. And again, the entire month of March, we're going to be doing Q&As every show. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, you can go over to sharpenedartist.com slash Q&A, or you can reach out to us podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. John Snow. I think our timing on Skype is off right now. Oh, sorry. I think is it's it? really bad time-wise because there's been a few times where I'll be talking and you start or you'll be talking and I'll like, I, the t- it just seems off. I think I'm just being rude and interrupting you is what's going on. <laughs> I don't think so, though. It doesn't feel like You're that. More than usual. Though, <laughs> yeah, this is way more than usual. <laughs> John Snow. I don't think I have anything to add to that. Okay. Which is odd. John Snow. Number eight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, John Snow. But then you did mention John Snow. <laughs> John Snow.